everybody. Welcome back to the Locked On Red Wings podcast. Today is Thursday, August 6, 2020, and I'm your host, Detroit Sports Editor Noel Bianchi. Today we've got a very special guest with us. He is Tony Woolock from thehockeywriters.com, and we got more draft profiles for you guys. Uh, Tony covers the NHL draft, the prospects, and a whole lot more for thehockeywriters.com. Uh, does fantastic work, and today he's joining us to profile couple of second round draft targets uh the red wings obviously have three picks in that second round so there's going to be a lot of options both at the uh, bottom of the round at the top of the round Uh, and today we're going to be looking at swedish defenseman emil andre and canadian forward carter savoy two guys who think who tony thinks uh could easily wind up wearing the winged wheel uh, come draft day. So we get the lowdown on all of that as we continue our draft preparation uh, ahead of the October 2020 NHL draft. Tomorrow we've got UFC fighter Justin Janes on the show. Really electric dude. Uh, excited for you guys to hear this interview. He's got a fight on Saturday at UFC Fight Night 174. So we talked to him a little bit about his opponent, uh, his Red Wings fandom. He's from Richmond. I probably should have led with that. Uh, So he grew up around here, uh, grew up a Wings fan, and uh, has some great memories. Talks to us about, you know, how he would get in a hockey fight, how it's different from what he does in the octagon, uh, why he wants to get into bare-knuckle boxing when he's all done with this. Just a lot of of great stuff. Like I said, he's he's an absolutely electric dude. You'll be ready to go about your Friday in a motivated way after you listen to our interview with Justin Janes. That is the Noli Guarantee. Uh, thank you so much for joining us again today. You can subscribe. Be ready for that interview uh, when you wake up in the morning. And just do us a favor. If you like this episode, share it with somebody you know. Share it with a Wings fan. Uh, that's the only way to grow is your support. We always appreciate it. So thanks so much. And we'll see you back here at the end of the episode. There's an old man sitting next to me. Make love to his tonic and gin. <laughs> All right, we are now joined by Tony Wolick from thehockeywriters.com, a recurring guest here at the Locked On Red Wings podcast to profile a couple of guys that the Red Wings could target in the second round. Uh, Tony, if you'll remember, was uh, on the show a couple months ago, I want to say, uh, to go over Jacob Perot, Kasper Samatavall, uh, Vasily Panamarioff. And today we're going to be profiling Swedish defenseman Emil Andre and Carter Savoy. But before we get to that, we got to welcome Tony on. So, Tony, welcome back the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Thanks for having me. Uh, looking forward to talking more about the Red Wings and uh, the draft coming up here. Tony uh, got back on the ice yesterday before we talked, and, and you know, he was out there stopping a bunch of pucks, so he's, he's, in the, uh, he's in the right headspace for, for what we're doing here today. If you want to call it headspace, I don't know if you want to use that word for goalies, <laughs> but you know, I'll take it. Uh, so we got a couple guys to talk about today, the first being a Swedish defenseman, Emil Andre. And the next guy we're going to talk about is a Canadian forward, Carter Savoy. But Emil Andre, it, he's a 5'9 Swedish defenseman, 181 pounds. And it's really interesting because this is probably the – these are like the seventh pro prospect profiles I've done uh, with yourself uh, and Tony Ferrari from Dauber Prospects in the last couple of days. And one thing I find interesting is a lot of the guys we're looking at are – undersized everybody seems to be in that like five nine to like five eleven region uh 
So I guess let's start there. What immediately jumps out to you about Emil Andre, despite the fact that he's a 5'9 defenseman? Yeah, I've noticed that too about this draft class. There are a lot more highly skilled players under six feet than there are, you know, in, I guess maybe there's less skilled players above six feet. Uh, I, this is just a, a unique draft class. But for Emil Andre, um, I like his compete level. He is a you know a pretty solid skater. Um, you know, maybe for someone who's five nine, you'd expect him to be a little quicker. Um, reminding you of you know Quinn Hughes, but not everyone could be Quinn Hughes, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like that that he's you know a highly skilled player and he compete competes hard despite his size. Um, you know, watching him and reading multiple accounts of people who have studied him, you know, far you know more than I have. Um, he competes every single shift. It doesn't matter who he's playing against. Um, he's going to, you know, uh, play one-on-one well. He's going to be physical in the defensive zone. He kind of reminds me, and I don't like to get into comparisons too much, um, just because every hockey player is, you know, they're, they're distinct in their own ways. But he kind of reminds me of Joe Hicketts, but just with more offensive touch to his game. Um, you know, this past season in the Super Elite, um, it's uh, Sweden's under-20 league. Um, he put up 38 points in 40 games, uh, scoring 11 goals as well. So the offense is definitely there. Um, whereas, you know, with the Red Wings, Hicketts, in juniors, he could contribute offense, but not so much at the pro level. Um, but still, feisty blue liner, undersized, um, great vision, really smart with the puck. Um, definitely someone to look at. Uh at with the number 32 pick um but if somehow he falls to the red wings in the 50s with their uh, other second round picks that's great value right there now you did know uh in a piece you wrote for the hockeywriters.com that he has intelligent vision can you go into that a little bit more and, and i guess what is the biggest you know upside of being able to do that at the nhl level yeah so when i say that andre has uh, great vision he is great with transitioning the puck out of his own end and uh, joining the rush um, offensively, uh, whether it's for Sweden's international teams or his, uh, his club team. But, um, you know, you, for a puck rushing defenseman, you want someone who can see the ice, you know, for all of that it is, not just have tunnel vision about getting the puck in his own. So um, it, you want someone who can distribute the puck and, you know, make the right plays at the right time. Um, and, with you know the the Red Wings and the I guess the style of play that Eisman wants to implement, he wants um, you know up tempo game, but also like teams that can transition well. So the Red Wings haven't been able to do that very well recently. Um, and it'll obviously be a few years down the road before Andre reaches the NHL with or without the Red Wings, or with the Red Wings or with another team. Um, but when he does, he'll have the, the vision to, you know, move the puck up the ice, you know, catch teams in transition, and then immediately find players on his team to, to move the puck deep into the zone. I used to have to go in to the auto parts store. Ain't you must never find quite what I'm looking for. Man, what a great commercial by rockauto.com. Have you been seeing that all over your, your TV lately? Absolute banger. And it's easy to see why. I mean, after, after going to rockauto.com myself, checking out all the, price, all the car parts that they had available for my Ford Focus, I mean, I'll, I'll never shop anywhere else ever again. 
And it's, you know, partly because of that, that commercial, but partly because, well, let's face it, guys, you get exactly, you know, exactly what you're going to get when you go to rockauto.com. They're an online, they're a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You don't have that kind of longevity if you're not the shit. That's straight up. That's just the way it goes. Now, listen, chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. And I know you, if you're a listener of this podcast, you come, you come here every single day. In a lot of ways, you're putting in that work just like we are. So I know that when it comes to repairing your car or truck that you're willing to put in your work to save a little bit of moolah because it's summer and there's places to go. People, to, well, not really people to see, but places to go because, you know, COVID. Uh, but they have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. But it's for your classic or your daily driver. You can get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts are available for your car or truck. Summer's almost over. You're not going to be able to, you know, just, just pop off that shirt, get your hands dirty, working on your truck. It's going to be way too cold. You're not going to want to do this in the fall. You're not, definitely not going to want to do it in the winter. Quit procrastinating. Go to rockauto.com right now and start fixing your car or truck today. And the one thing you can do for us for pointing you in the right direction is just writing locked on and their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. That's all. Just, hey, Nolan and Ethan from the Locked On Red Wings podcast. A couple of really nice guys. That's all. They've got amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. It's rockauto.com. Now, I'm reading a lot about uh, the, these offensive defensemen and kind of where they tend to thrive is that in-transition type player. Now, when he's on offense, I mean, what what is the – I guess, biggest asset to his game when his team is going through that neutral zone, getting the puck up ice? I think it's his vision. I mean, uh, when, you know, Andre or his team gets the puck, um, he's able to, to, you know, take possession and then find players in, you know, good areas to get the puck, you know, into the offensive zone. And that's not just like hitting someone on the far blue line with a pass to tip it in. I'm talking about hitting someone on the rush to actually drive into the zone with possession and maintain possession. Um, but once in the offensive zone, uh, Andre's vision is still elite. Um, and he, you know, walks the line well. He reads plays well. He's able to, to distribute the puck and cycle it around well. He's also able to get pucks on net. Um, and that's a term that's thrown around a lot. But uh, – you know, as we're seeing today with equipment that gets stronger and stronger, um, you know, anyone can step in front of a shot, but, you know, it's a special skill set to have um, to be able to get actually pucks through everyone on net and picking those right moments to shoot the puck. So he's an offensive defenseman, obviously, with the way that the NHL is heading with a couple of the guys who have, you know, come out in the NHL last year or in the last couple of years, the Kale McCars, the Quinn Hughes. That's something that's going to be very tantalizing when it comes to, uh, you know, who the Red Wings are going to take with, as you mentioned, the 32nd pick or one of the picks in the 50s. But what do you like about his game in the defensive zone, and and what do you dislike? So in the zone, uh, when his team doesn't have possession, he is going to be on the puck and trying to force a turnover. Um, And, you know, once – you know, once he does generate a turnover, once one of his teammates does, he does have that vision to be able to make a decision quickly and, you know, transition the puck up to a forward along the boards or make an outlet pass. Um, his skating is is okay, like I mentioned before, uh, but he's just, he's smart with the puck. He's he's going to make the, the right play and not force it up the middle or, 
you know, turn the puck back over after working so hard to get it. Now, you mentioned he had 38 points in 40 games in that uh, under-20 Super Elite League, but then he goes to the SHL, zero points in 10 games. Does that concern you at all, or do you think that's just more of a product of maybe ice time or, or just not being used to playing against grown men? So I'll, I'll say that's probably a product of ice time. Um, you look at someone in the Red Wing system like Elmer Soder, Soderblom, um, he you know, played in that same Super Elite League, put up video game like numbers and then you know gets a few games with the um you know the professional top tier team and uh, you know doesn't record a point but that's that's normal he's also playing less than 10 minutes a game and you know playing you know fourth line you know over in sweden you're not going to jump right to a top six role if you're dominating junior leagues you're going to you know join on the fourth line or as a, a deaf player um and not see the ice as much and have to earn your, earn your, uh, your ice time for Andre. Um, well, I didn't see any of his SHL games. I assume it was the same thing. It's just a product of ice time. There's, you know, professional players ahead of him. So the fact that he got 10 games of, you know, professional experience, you can just take it at that. I mean, that's good experience for him regardless of how much he's played. And it shows, you know, shows him, you know, that, you know, there's probably still a lot of development left in his game if he wants to, you know, play there consistently and put up points. It, it was a good, you know, uh, good cameo, good practice. And uh, it's it also gives, you know, NHL teams a little bit of tape uh, on him at the professional level just to see how he stacks up as a 17 or 18-year-old. Now, it's draft day, and you're Steve Eisman. What's the biggest reason that you draft Emil Andre, and what's the one reason that you pass on Emil Andre? So I'll start with the, the reason why I'd pass on him. Um, if I'm Steve Eisenman, I'm sitting there with the 32nd pick in the draft. I'm passing on Emil Andre if there are some, you know, highly touted, you know, great first-round quality forwards available. Red Wings have pretty solid defensive depth with Moritz Seider, um, Antti Tuomisto, Philip Hronik's a little older, same with, same with uh, Dennis Cholowski. Um, also Albert uh, Johansson, but when you look at Emil Andre, he's probably has the upside of a second pairing defenseman. Um, whereas you might be able to get a forward who is still, you know, maybe a, a top six, second, third line, you know, forward, but the Red Wings don't have as much depth there as they do on, on defense. So I guess it depends on who's available. That's why I would pass on him there. Um, that said, if, you know, there's not a comparable forward, um, you know, at that pick, then, yeah, Emil Andre would be a great pick for the Red Wings based on his, you know, prior experience, his offensive production, his, his compete level, his elite vision. Um, he... I think I mentioned in my piece for the hockey writers that he would pair well with Moritz Sider. They both, they have a complementary skill set. Um, Sider, you know, brings the size, the physicality, but also is a, you know, a pretty good offensive player and, you know, uh, puck mover. Andre is a little smaller, but it's not like you have, you know, two small defensemen out there who can just get bowled over or, you know, two massive defensemen who you may want to just stick in the defensive zone or leave there. I think that they offer, you know, like maybe not elite, but high level hockey uh, IQ and vision. 
um, that would be, you know, great for a team looking to uh, play a transition game. All right, now let's move into uh, Carter Savoy, five foot ten winger out of Alberta. What's the lowdown on him? So I actually wouldn't be surprised if the Red Wings drafted him with their, you know, late second round or early third round picks. Um, he played this this the past two seasons with the Sherwood Park Crusaders in the Alberta Junior Hockey League, and that's also where uh, Red Wings draft pick Carter Guylander played. So. You know, Red Wings brass went to see him on multiple occasions. Surely they saw Carter Savoy, this smallish winger, putting up, uh, you know, great offensive numbers. Um, it's hard not to notice him in the offensive zone. Red Wings probably have a, a pretty big book on Savoy at this point. Um, so, you know, as for, you know, the the pros of uh, Savoy's game, he's got an, an elite shot. His He's a... He's, He's a great passer, has great vision in the offensive zone. Overall, he's a first-round talent from a purely offensive standpoint. Um, the knock on him, though, is that he's not great away from the puck. Um, he's one of those players that is has shown that he's all about offense. Um, and in the defensive zone, while he may back-check you know, decently, um, he's quick to fly the zone uh, and you know, just looking to get back in the, in, into the, you know, offensive zone. But, you know, the offense is there, and that's, that's something you can't deny. And, you know, you can teach the defensive side of the game. What you can't teach is scoring 50 goals in 50 games in that junior league. Um, you know, this past season he scored 53 goals in 54 games, had 99 points. Uh, the year before that he had 73 points in 58 games when the, I'm sure the Red Wings were, were scouting Guy Lander. Um, and he's going to go to uh, the University of Denver in, in the fall. Well, when NCAA hockey resumes. Hypothetically. Is. Hypothetically. <laughs> he's enrolling. Um, we'll see when he gets on the ice. <laughs> but, you know, Denver is a highly touted program, and uh, they'll be able to, you know, round out his game and teach him the defensive side of the puck. If he can show the same hunger uh, in the defensive zone as he does in the offensive zone, um, Carter Savoy could be an absolute steal uh, for the Red Wings, you know, late in the second round or early third round. What do you like about a guy who you know is going to spend a, a, at least a year in the NCAA? Like, is there a, is there a plus side? Is there a con to taking a player who you know is going to college? Uh, there's definitely a plus side. The Red Wings do this with goalies, um, both at the NCAA level or um, overseas, when you when you draft someone out of the um, you know the Canadian major junior leagues, you have two years to sign them. So if they're if they're showing, you know if they're showing progress, great, sign them. If they're not, you can, you're kind of forced to make a decision. Um, and on top of that, you know NHL teams have a contract limit; they can only have 50 contracts at at one time. So you you know you look at someone. Um, Hold on, let me, let me pause right here. I'm, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. Um, all right. So if you look at uh, back to a few years ago, uh, the Red Wings drafted Jordan Sandbrook, um, who you know played in the OHL, highly uh, offensive defensive and not so great in the defensive zone. If, if he had been playing you know, college hockey and been playing for two more years there, the Red Wings may have signed him. 
But since he isn't showing enough progress after two years, they opted not to sign him and he could re-enter the draft. I, I think he got passed over uh, as an overager, but um, with the NCAA and with the European pro- uh, professional leagues, players can go there and develop for you know one, two, three, or even four years. Um, if you look at someone like David Pope, the, the Red Wings drafted a long time ago, and I, a long time ago, I think that's t- 2014. <laughs> um, he played two, I believe, two years of Canadian Junior A, and then four years of of college hockey. So he had six years of development after he was drafted. Red Wings ultimately traded him for Alex Biega, and that's looking like a win right now. But it just goes to show that if players need more time and they might be late bloomers, this route may be better to take. Now, I've read that he's not necessarily extremely fast, but he's still a a good skater. What do you see from him in that regard? I'd say that, you know, you're right. His his skating is average. Um, His quickness is average. Uh, But he can he can get by in the offensive zone like especially on the power play he's gonna you know find openings he's gonna get open himself um he can navigate around the you know the zone well i wouldn't i don't think he's a perimeter player um his shot can be lethal from the outside though but um in the offensive zone like i don't think he needs to be super quick or super speedy um you know, you don't need to have Dylan Larkin's speed be effective in the NHL. Um, it's it's a benefit for him, of course, but I think Savoy would be just fine in the NHL with his, you know, average speed, just getting open make, and making great plays with the puck. One thing that smaller players can sometimes lack in their game is a, is a strong defensive presence. Do you see that being an issue? And what do you make of his size, I guess, you know, within his 200-foot game? Um, I don't know if size is particularly an issue, but I, I think it's just the commitment to playing defense. So th- that's one thing that, that he's going to benefit from, from going to in the University of Denver. NCAA hockey is a little bit more, I guess, committed to the two-way game than, than junior hockey, in my opinion. But um, at the University of Denver, he's going to have some great coaches. He's going to have some you know, talented teammates who are committed to you know, playing strong in the offensive and defensive zones. So... I think over the next, you know, however many years he's at the University of Denver, uh, Carter Savoy is going to learn how to, you know, commit himself to the defensive zone and, you know, ultimately, you know, be trusted enough to, you know, move up to the next levels and, you know, not have to be just a, um, a guy who plays in the offensive zone only. So it's draft day. You're Steve Eiserman. One of those picks in the 50s comes up and Carter Savoy is still on the board. What's one reason you draft him and one reason you pass on him? So the reason I draft him is that you can't teach that type of offense that Savoy possesses. The combination of his lethal shot and great vision as a passer, it's, it's hard to find a combination like that. The defensive side of his game isn't rounded out right now, but that's not to say in a few years you know, it'll still be you know, subpar. Um, so you, you take him for his offense and then you, you hope that he learns defense over the next few years, um, whether that's, you know, at, at the NCAA level or with, you know, Red Wings staff in Grand Rapids uh, or even Toledo for that matter. Um, reason why you're passing on him, it just who falls into, into your lap. You know, the Red Wings have their own draft board and if they, they find someone who, 
they like better, such as uh, I guess one of the guys we covered in our, our, our previous uh, conversations, Casper uh, Simon Taval or Vasily Ponomaryov. If one of those players falls into the Red Wings' lap um, with their late second round picks, and they have them above uh, Carter Savoy, you got to you know you're going to have to draft the person who's higher up on your board. That's as, as simple as that. Last kind of play in this period. All right. Thanks again for uh, tuning in to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Thanks again to Tony for joining us today. Lots of Tony draft scouts on this show. Uh, and he's just one of two. But he's, uh, he's great. We always appreciate him coming on. And uh, next week we'll have him back on to talk about a couple of German players. I know that uh, the emergence of Mo Sider probably has you a little tantalized by the option of perhaps grabbing another German or two in this next year's draft. And uh, two second-round targets that we're going to be looking at are going to be Lucas Reichel and J.J. Paterka. Don't miss out on that. Subscribe. We'll see you back here for tomorrow's episode featuring Justin Jane's UFC lightweight. Uh, really great episode, and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. So we'll see you right here, same time, same place. It's your team every day.